Welcome to the Universal Joint Podcast. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, Dustin Fuse, and I are recording this podcast on Monday, November 11th. That's Veterans Day down here in the States. And as a former soldier myself, I was on active duty with the U.S. Armed Forces from the late winter of 1983 right through spring of 87. And not that anybody cares, but my MOS, my military occupational skill, was 71Q, which is Army Talk for Journalists. So... Army training, folks. That's what you're hearing here today. Uh, anyway, Dustin and I would like to thank all of you Universal Joint listeners out there who spent time in uniform. And uh, Dustin, do you, do you have? Uh, did you do any time in the service, or have any family members who were in the service? Um, I, I had a lot of friends up here in in Canada. It's Remembrance Day, so it's mm-hmm. a, a little bit of a different spin. But uh, you know, we we look at it as it's it's an important time in anybody's life to uh, to serve. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you for your service down. In, in the states, obviously, and, that is a you know, big. I know it was a while ago, but you know, I, well, I, again, I was, you know, <laughs> that I, you know, that's the thing. I, I, I ended up, you know, God help me. Again, it was one of these things where it's like join the army to see the world, and I got yeah. assigned to Fort Devens, Massachusetts, literally oh. ten minutes from my parents' house. You know, I could drive home to do laundry. Yeah. You know, that's it. Was you know, I mean, you know, when you think of, of of friends of mine who literally went to the other side of the world and and you know dealt with really severe conditions i always feel like i got to you got go to you got out lucky and very yeah, very very well, I, lucky. I had friends who um right after university would go over and mm. you know they they were in afghanistan they were you know Ugh. fighting front lines and did a, a couple of tours over there and you know i i i love the idea that um that they went out of their way to support the, uh, you know, the, the greater good. And a mm-hmm. lot of people, when they're just getting out of university or even just getting into university, need that, you know, the, the cause, uh, mm-hmm. go out and, you know, try and figure out who you are as a person. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of that. And, you know, everyone who's out there who has worn a uniform just props to you. This is, this is your day and, you know, we, we thank you. Yeah, beautiful. Well, speaking, though, of November 11th, mm-hmm. uh, just as us and I were getting ready to record today's show, the Universal Orlando Resort sent out a press release which stated that the second half of their endless summer resort, which is the Dockside Inn and Suites, uh, is uh, we have an opening date now. We have, what is it, March 17th, 2020? Yeah, and uh, I, I want to thank Universal Public Relations for sending out emails right before we record. That always makes our, our jobs a little bit easier. Well, you know, the, the, the way it typically works is after we record is when they break <laughs> the news. But um, Yeah, some of the, the numbers are, are absolutely, you know, astounding when you start thinking about what's, uh, what Universal Endless Summer uh, Resort is going to uh, entail. We're not mm. just talking about a little hotel here, are we? No, no. In fact, now remember that the first uh, part of this resort, the Surfside Inn and Suites, opened in what June on June twenty seventh of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that had seven hundred and fifty rooms. Uh, when Dark Side opens in March of next year, uh, that the the total resort, the the entire endless summer resort, is going to have twenty eight hundred rooms. Um, yep. And and but again, the, the, that, that's an impressive number. But the more impressive number is what they're going to be charging a night for this place, which is what uh, you know, starting at eighty five dollars. Yeah, eighty five uh, bucks a night. That's like when you're putting things into comparison. That mm-hmm. is uh, not even close to what's up the street for staying at Disney's uh, Pop Century Resort. Well, that's, it's interesting you bring that up because that one, what is it? It's got twenty eight hundred and eighty rooms, so that's mm-hmm. pretty much pretty much even uh, capacity wise. Uh, and what's the rack rate there? That's uh, two twenty two, and because they they've got three level or uh, two levels, mm-hmm. so it's uh, two twenty two, three thirty three. Um, they the but big to be thing, fair, I think, to sure. be fair though, that that if you go to kayak. Today, and <laughs> yeah. you're looking to grab a room at the Pop Century tomorrow. About 29. Uh, yeah, 129 <laughs> a room. So, you know, yeah. again, I, that, that's always, you know, I always enjoy that moment where, you know, you're in the hotel room and you, you walk up to the back of the door and you're looking at the rack rate and it's like, wow, welcome to Fantasyland, you know, because yep. who's actually paying that price? Um, well, and that's always one of the, the conversations that we've had with regards to Universal versus Disney and staying mm-hmm. on property 
it really is about access. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that with Disney's Pop Century Resort, when you stay on property over at the the Walt Disney World Resort, you're getting fast pass at a uh, extended period and, you know, the magic bands and everything like that. But at Universal, mm-hmm. there's a lot more that goes into staying just around the corner from this. And it's not just for the current situation. It's also what's going on when... Um, uh, Universal's Epic Universe comes on board. They're just mm. building up their their room repertoire at this point. Well, we're going to get to that, that that Epic Universe on the second half of today's show. But again, mentioning looking ahead to 2020, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, a, a week ago today, uh, back on November 4th, you know, Universal is literally, you know, buttoning up, uh, you know, Halloween Horror Night for for Orlando when they announce that, hey, next year is our 30th anniversary. And, you know, they, they, so what? They, they, five minutes later, you know, five minutes after the last guest gets chewed out the door, mm-hmm. uh, here they are announcing, you know, the 39 select nights uh, where, you know, th- what is it? 30 years of fear is going yep. to be presented. So uh, the, for those of you marking your calendar, that's September 10th, uh, starts on Thursday, September 10th, and then it's supposed to run through October 31st, uh, yeah, Halloween night. Saturday. Yeah. Which a uh, Saturday night, Halloween night, that's going to be awesome for everyone who's, uh, who's a, you know, has a family wants to go out and really enjoy it. Cause this year when it was on what, Wednesday, Thursday night, mm-hmm. it was a little bit awkward because you actually had two different Halloweens for a lot of families. It's true. But I, speaking of which though, it, what's interesting is you poke around online. There's a mm-hmm. number of folks who were like, wait a minute, you know, that the 29th, season of, uh, you know, Halloween Horror Night at Orlando, um, that got 41 nights. And, and here is the 30th anniversary, obviously a bigger deal. And that's only gets 39 nights. And so it's like, I get, but, you know, again, remember that we, we, didn't we see two additional nights tacked on to the schedule for, uh, the 29th, uh, that were announced over the run of the show? Yeah, and but I, and the other thing that we were looking at was September the 10th for mm-hmm. 2020 versus this year, which was September 6th. Mm-hmm. So it makes you wonder what, what's going on. Maybe it is just a calendar uh, phenomenon where they had to uh, accommodate something going on between the you know first week of September and then the 10th. That's, it, it, that, that's entirely possible. But the interesting thing, though, is that uh, in calling friends at, at Universal just to sort of suss this out, uh, they pointed <laughs> me toward the calendar and suggested if, if you know, uh, you know, if, if you have friends who are say traveling down, uh, you know, the second week of you know October, you know mm-hmm. that that or, or the third week, it's quite likely that on uh, Tuesday, October thirteenth, and Tuesday, October twentieth. Yep. That you know, depending on how strong the ticket sales are, they may bump the event out on those two dates. Likewise, uh, you know, it's kind of a gimme that you know what with uh, as you mentioned, you know, Halloween following on a Saturday. Uh, it's not not going to take all that much of a push for Universal to you know to run. Uh, Halloween Horror Nights, you know, the 30 Years of Fear edition, anyway, on Sunday, November 1st, as well as the 2nd. So yep. um, so just anticipate, folks, that, that you know, 39 dates have been announced uh, so far, and once tickets goes on sale, that, you know, they'll, they'll bump out a little bit further from there. Uh, by the way, at least according to the press release, the 30th anniversary edition of Universal Orlando's Halloween Horror Nights is going to feature... Ten houses, so this year was was the first year we got the ten houses, right? Yep. Okay, we got five scare zones as well as reimagined haunts inspired by the past. Um, which we have bets on table. <laughs> uh, I, I I was going through the the um, the wiki for uh, mm-hmm. for Halloween Horror Nights, and some of those properties that they've had in the past, I was just like, oh, bring it back with yeah. the technology that we have in today's day and age. Like we're talking about the first five six years of mm-hmm. Halloween Horror Nights, some of those properties that they had were just like maybe if they were bring something bring that concept of mm-hmm. you know 
the things that they needed to get the the original Halloween Horror Nights off the ground. Bring that back. Bring mm. back some of those um, the the classic icons oh, and well, just see yeah. what happens. Folks like Jack or yep. you know, the director, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, you know how uh, you know that goes. Oh, oh by the way, but before we, we close out Halloween Horror uh, for uh, 2019 here, it's it's worth mentioning that at least as far as the online community is concerned, Yeti Terror of the Yukon was the house of the year this year. And uh, if you like me, didn't manage to make it down to Central Florida this year to experience that particular haunted house. Uh, what's kind of cool is uh, the Universal Lander Resort just posted a, a short video on YouTube which shows Santa and his head elf giggles. Um, evidently, the, the the story they tell in this this video is that you know that, that Santa and Giggles are are leaving the Christmas tree decoration warehouse up at the North Pole, and somehow as they're making their way back to Mrs. Claus and a plateful of warm cookies, they they get turned around and stumble into Soundstage Twenty Four, which is where the uh, Universal Creative built uh, Yeti Terror of the Yukon. Oh, and it's for me, folks, it's worth it alone to watch this video, which features, you know, sort of a a first person of of Santa and Giggles going through the mazes. All these bloodthirsty yetis jump out at them. Uh, It's worth it alone because Giggles goes through the thing holding a candy cane like it's a cross. Like, you know, that's that's enough to fend off bloodthirsty yetis. Um, And let's see. And while we're talking about. Christmas colliding with with Halloween. Uh, kudos to 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 Universal for for what they did on Halloween night on the Halloween night edition of uh, you know this year's you know the, the Halloween Horror Nights at, at Universal Studios Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, as you came out of the park and face it, after midnight, it's November first, <laughs> and what ended up happening is you came out, out you know through the gate. You encountered this group of Christmas carolers who were there, like you know, that's so you have a storm because you know again it's Orlando and the holiday yeah. season starts November first, and and what was great is that Universal had all could put Christmas carols out there along with people with picket signs to the effect of "It's too soon" and "Stay in your lane," you know, uh, which that's again, awesome. I, I, yeah, I thought that was a fun comic note to end the evening on. Yep. Um, Oh, but again, of course, you know, as soon as folks walked out the door on November 2nd, which again was the very last night that they presented uh, Halloween Harness at Universal Orlando, uh, you know, the, the decorating team at at that theme park began hauling out the holly. Um, yeah. uh, by the way, folks, uh, Dustin and my holiday at Universal event uh, gets underway this Friday, November 15th. At the Cabana Bay Resort, uh, we're going to start things off with a walkthrough of four of the on-site hotels. We're going to do check out the Christmas decorations at the Royal Pacific, the Sapphire Falls, Aventura, and of course Cabana Bay. Uh, and each of these hall, uh, hotels have their own unique take on the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to tell you, while the hotel packages for the holidays at Universal Orlando event are all sold out. Uh, the folks at Storybook Destinations wanted me to tell you that there is still space, at least when it comes to the walking tours. And what, on Saturday, Dustin, we're doing... Universal uh, we're at Universal Studios Florida, and then yeah. Sunday we're at Islands of Adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then we also have the live recording, right? Yep. So the, the live we podcast, do. which is Sunday evening. Yep. So, folks, if you... If you're an Orlando area local or you know, somebody in Central Florida wants to drive on over uh, and still want to get into the fun, feel free to reach out to Tammy and her team over at Storybooks Destination. <sighs> Dustin, I, I feel like we're paying a lot of attention to Orlando and we haven't mm-hmm. talked about Hollywood. Let, let's pivot there for a little bit. Okay, I, we've been talking a lot about Halloween Horror Night here, but uh, on the 30th, you know, folks who went to the Universal Studios Hollywood version of that seasonal event got a, an extra special bonus as they wandered into the the Us uh, haunted house, the one that's based on the Jordan Peele film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our, you know, you and I were debating before we started the show here. Now, Lapita Yilonga? Yung- Lapita Nyong'o. Nyong'o. Yeah, so she's, is- um, you know, incredibly talented actress. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of one of those, when, when you see her, you're like, oh, she's been in everything. Yeah, lately. And, and what was interesting is she she drove over for the night 
to uh, to Universal Studios Hollywood, uh, pulled on the the red coverall and grabbed a pair of scissors and reprised her role as Red from us. And this again, there's a great online video of her freaking out. You know, people who are walking through the attraction. It's like that's the real actress, and she's going to stab us. Um, <laughs> Now, I, I, on the other hand, if you're an old fart like me, you know, that, that it was just as cool, if not cooler, back on October 9th. That was when Ivan Reitman, uh, the director of the original Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, dropped by Universal Studios Hollywood to check out the Ghostbusters house uh, that had been built there in the lower lot. And he brought with him Dan Aykroyd, uh, who not only starred in those two Ghostbusters movies, but also co-wrote the screenplay. <sighs> With the great late or the late great uh, Harold Ramis, mm-hmm. um, and uh, by the way, it wasn't just the the West Coast that got celebrities to come by and check out the mazes. Uh, again, if you head over to YouTube, there's a wonderful video posted there from the Universal Orlando Resort where Jason Reitman, who is the son of Ivan, uh, but more importantly, Jason's the guy who co-wrote and is now directing. Ghostbusters 2020, which will be out in theaters July of uh, July 10th of next year. Yeah, and they've confirmed that Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver—they're all coming back. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, that there's a video of, of Jason along with McKenna Grace, who I guess is one of the younger members of the cast of uh, Ghostbusters 2020, and but they're touring. Uh, the Universal uh, Florida version of the Ghostbusters house. So if you, you want to see that and you want to see the Yeti thing, go check out those. Absolutely. Um, all right. Oh, and before I forget, if you are a big Halloween horror fan but didn't get to buy your merch uh, while you were at the event, the Tribute Store, uh, which is located inside of Universal Studios Florida, uh, I want to say it's on the same side of the street as Revenge of the Mummy, the ride in the New York section of the park. Yeah, it's Kitty Corner. If you if you go past Jimmy Fallon mm-hmm. uh, and then you see the um, uh, Hollywood Rip Ride Rocket when mm-hmm. they come through the Ghostbusters uh, facade right mm-hmm. um, across the street, Kitty Corner to that is the tribute store. And you can't miss it. There's giant signs everywhere that says, uh, last couple days, uh, you must come in, and mm-hmm. they're not joking. You no. have to go in. Yeah, that that's and again, it closes on November fourteenth, and as I understand it, the very next day, uh, it then gets swapped out or t- uh, turned into a store that sort of sells merch that keys off of the Universal's Halloween Parade featuring Macy's. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? What else? Oh, oh, uh, oh, honestly, folks, we should have mentioned this back in September, but uh, the Popeye and Bluto's Bilge Rat Barges, uh, they actually closed in early September of this year. And uh, that, as I understand it, Justin, that was a combination of annual maintenance, which you have to do with these water rides, but also it had a lot to do with all of the heavy equipment that was now out on Islands of Adventure Lagoon, uh, helping out with the construction of the Velocicoaster, right? Exactly. And with, um, with Popeyes, it's, it's right across from the, uh, the other water ride that's right there, the Dudley Do-Right. And mm-hmm. during, uh, you know, October through till probably yeah, January, February, uh, not a lot of people like getting soaked. This and granted, is... it's still Florida, so mm-hmm. it's still pleasant mm-hmm. out, but you still don't want to be um, getting a shower midway through the day. So it makes sense that they do the annual maintenance. But it was kind of interesting that um, it's not just that. It's that they're really doing some serious work out in the lagoon. Uh, well, yeah, and our, our favorite eye in the sky, uh, Bio Reconstruct, who's been flying over the park, uh, and posting all of those images of the barges that are out on the water to help yep. you know, put into things to place. But for me, what was also kind of intriguing was all of the construction fences that are now set up in the Jurassic Park section of islands. And man, that looks tough to get through these days. Yeah, it's, you know what, there, 
I, I understand why they need to do this. Because mm-hmm. it's all about making sure that you get everything done at the exact same time with uh, any sort of construction. It's a domino effect. Mm-hmm. You can't do one without starting something. And there's, you know, electrical. There's uh, everything that's going through this. But when you actually do a search and bioreconstruct, go back to November 10th. He did a bunch of uh, flyovers of this area. And it just looks awkward. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the when they were redoing uh, California Adventure, mm-hmm. and it was basically just one construction fence after another. That's mm-hmm. kind of what this feels like. Mm-hmm. And because they've taken out all of the foliage and all of the trees and all of that jungle mm-hmm. that was there from that's been growing since Jurassic Park first uh, opened up in Isles of Adventure, mm-hmm. it looks as though you're basically just walking on a um, like a newly paved road, yeah. and it takes you out. But the big thing to keep in mind with this is that uh, Universal's been very good at getting things done incredibly fast and then putting the guests back into the story. So I'm hoping that this this is what is happening right now in the back of that park. Well, I, I, what I also hope for here is given that the, the, they've listed that uh, the scheduled day for completion of work on Popeye and, and Bluto's Bill Trout why can't I say that name? Build <laughs> Popeye and Bluto is Bilge Rage Badger. What? There we go. Rubber it's Baby almost like numbers. the, uh, what, what, what was the original name of the Today Show Cafe? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> it was the Boulangerie. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to sit on my side of the mark and I just, I just, <laughs> that the ride, that right there. Anyway, that's supposed to reopen on December 22nd. And what me personally am hoping is that, uh, you know, enough of the construction will be done on you know the Jurassic Park area that we can see a lot of these uh, you know uh, contemporary plywood walls come down because yeah. you know when oh, you know all of the crowd show for the holiday season uh, that's going to be tough. Um, yeah, speak- I know that they, that we do have that um, that spot though in behind Mythos that still gives us a great view of all the construction. So if you're at the event and as we're walking around, we'll definitely be able to see what's going on with Jurassic Park. You can't avoid it. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, and speaking of, of construction, I guess you, we should also mention pivoting back to the West Coast now. Uh, yeah, they're hard at work now on the show building, mm-hmm. uh, the exterior of the show building for uh, Secret Life of Pets off the leash. And a lot of the folks who've seen the work that's been done so far on this faux brownstone uh, up there in the upper lot say that it's it's going to be a nice companion for the uh, Despicable Me Minion Mayhem attraction right across the street. As far as I know, they are still very much on track for a spring 2020 opening. Um, okay. But again, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's, you know, what's the old saying? If you want to make God laugh, make a plan. Uh, <laughs> you know, in fact, you kind of have to feel sorry about. You know, those those people who went to Universal Studios Florida, you know, early in the morning of October 23rd and thought, ooh, we're right here. We just come in the front door. Why, why don't we go do Rip Ride Rocket? You know, yeah, there's they, no they, line. There's no line. <laughs> and then, what was it? It was before 10 that morning that two of the cars got stuck on the track. Mm-hmm. And at least one of them gets stuck at the top of the you know the first you know hill. Yeah, so the lift hill, the lift hill is uh, one of these things in roller coasters that we would really like to have constantly work. Uh, <laughs> this the the Hollywood Rip Ride, Rip Ride Rocket lift hill is a very unique uh, thing. It's 167 feet tall. Um, when you're going from the moving uh, load unload all the way through the section of you picking the song and everything. You're so excited to be able to go up and over the lift hill and get your uh, your ride out of the way. But imagine just stopping at the top and all of a sudden you don't move. Well, that's basically what happened. And uh, it isn't the first time. It's not going to be the last time. But wow, the 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 guts that some of these uh, some of these guests must have had. And just to to, to sort of put the cherry on the sun here, folks, if, if you're at the top of that lift hill, you are 167 feet up in the air. 
Oh, and great views. Yeah. No. <laughs> also kind of a long stroll down a set of, set of very steep stairs. But, and, and that's what ended up happening. Two cars got stuck on the track. They had to mm-hmm. offload the guests. And here's the statement that the park gave out that day, which is the effect of uh, Rip Ride Rocket did exactly what it was supposed to. And, you know, the computers brought the ride to a safe and controlled stop. We helped the guests off the ride, and we are working to reopen the ride as soon as possible. Um, kind of interesting. This has happened before, uh, back yep. in October of 2013. And by the way, I don't know how we missed this, uh, Dustin, but it turns out uh, this Universal Studios uh, Florida attraction uh, celebrated its 10th year of operation uh, back in August of the, the, this year. In fact, August 19th. So, um and God, again, I know I'm apologizing in advance, folks. This is a dad joke, but speaking of rides, it, it perhaps will make people feel ripped off. Um, Dustin, did you hear about this four dollar fee uh, that's being added by Uber uh, for yeah, people um, be, being picked that, up at the Universal Parks? That was an awesome dad joke, by the way. Uh, um, I try. <laughs> um, yeah, so it looks like Uber uh, in uh, part of their partnership with Universal Orlando uh, is creating a, um, a, a pickup fee. It's, it's basically a added surcharge for anyone who goes to Universal Orlando and then specifically wants to be picked up at the Uber and Lyft pickup. Yeah, now, but, but, no, this I is mentioned the Uber, that. It's, it's uh, only just to Uber. clarify here, that that's the Uber and Lyft pickup for the parks, not yes. the hotels, right? Yeah. So and the other very interesting thing about this, and it's something that we'll we'll go into, but um, the new fees definitely they're they're in effect. Mm -hmm. It is uh, similar to the idea of when you get uh, when you arrive into Orlando International Airport and you want to get an Uber to go to your your uh, resort. Mm -hmm. uh, That fee is already implemented for anyone who is uh using that service at that location. It's a deal that is signed between the location and Uber itself. So Mm -hmm. this isn't new, but what was interesting is how they're utilizing uh, the fees. So it looks like what they're doing is not just um, like, oh, it's a privilege to be able to pick. No, no, no. They're actually using the fees uh, to pay for new signage, um, extra staff at the drop-off location. Yeah, and long-term... It isn't their plan to to build, I guess, what they describe as a lounge? Yeah, Hmm. which hopefully will have Wi-Fi. Hmm. Okay. Um, Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting uh, kind of thing that's going in. Mm -hmm. Um, What I find interesting about it is that uh, this is only for Uber and not for Lyft. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing on the ground are guests who are going over there, and when you travel to Universal Orlando or, or Walt Disney World, you usually sign up for both Lyft and Uber mm-hmm. because Lyft is the official partner for the minivans. Mm-hmm. So you'll obviously, you, you want to have both options. And let's be honest, most drivers who are in the Universal and Disney area, they're uh, drivers for both companies. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's a new kind of way of looking at ride sharing down in, in Universal. But um, there's so much more that's happening with, uh, with Uber, with the, the universal area, but it's not the, the location you can actually walk over to, um, to the resorts, right? That that's one of the tips. Well, it, it, as I understand, it's the other way around. Yeah. It's only if you're being picked up. So if you're dropping off at universal, it's not mm-hmm. there. It's only for the pickup. Uh. Which does actually allow us to have that that hidden thing out there, which is if you're getting picked up or dropped off, maybe it is worth going over to one of the resorts, grabbing a meal, yeah. and then having your Uber pick you up there. Yeah, and, and I guess what's kind of intriguing for me is that, you know, so far we're not seeing this sort of fee at, at SeaWorld, we're not seeing this sort of fee at... At mm-hmm. Disney, but let's face it, you know, that, that it's a very competitive environment, uh, you know, in the Central Florida Tourism Corridor. And if this lounge thing proves to be popular, uh, I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, Disney doing something similar at, you know, at its four theme parks. Uh, I don't know if they could, you know, it would be possible to create this sort of thing 
uh, for the hotels. But um, but yeah, you know that that I could see this mm-hmm. happening. And the other news that came out was that SeaWorld's not changing anything. Uh, so they're basically just saying uh, that there's all about these these developments happening, and should it prove successful. There's a very good chance that SeaWorld, as well as everything else, will kind of fall in line because if with mm-hmm. these fees, yeah. it's all about what the consumer can uh, can expect and what they will mm-hmm. uh, not make a, a fuss over. Because we're kind of living this in this uh, consumer marketplace where access is mm-hmm. all about location. <sighs> well, let's sort of sit back and see if Disney or SeaWorld follow Universal's lead. And, and speaking of following, mm-hmm. folks, when we get back from this commercial break. Dust and I will be following up on our earlier stories about Epic Universe, the Universal Orlando's fourth theme park. And we're back. Uh, again, we were talking holidays and the, the holiday thing that, that Dustin and I are doing this weekend at the Universal. So I thought it might be fun to point out for, for those of you uh, who are, are heavily into to sugared holiday <laughs> items, the Voodoo Donuts has introduced a you know, as part of their holiday uh, lineup, a two-part Santa donut, uh, which uh, as a diabetic, I can sort of look at and wave at. But uh, tell you what, we're, we're supposed to be doing sort of a hail and farewell at the tail end of our holiday at the Universal event on on Monday, November 18th. Dustin. Maybe we can get one or two of those and share that with the crew before we head off on our last little walking tour of the holiday decorations at the hotel. Oh, absolutely. And they they did come up with a lot of the the extra holiday food that's coming to Universal Studios Florida from hot butter mm-hmm. beer, um, Grinchmas uh, chocolate cupcakes and Zeus Landing. Um, obviously, as Jim just mentioned, the Voodoo Donut stuffed Santa uh, suit, which is uh, filled with Bavarian and white chocolate topped with coconut and another one filled with peppermint, peppermint chocolate cream. Uh, they're also doing a, there, there's a full list of everything going over at, uh, at Universal Orlando, but wow, some of these things I, are I, incredible. I, and, and some of them, I think, take a little courage. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the Grinch cookie where they, they've got it, that, that Grinch green. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sorry. You know, you just don't. I mean, again, kind of a green eggs and ham thing. You just don't leap into a green cookie. Um, I'm shocked that they haven't started to charge for an Instagram background. Like, it, instead of spending what? What's a, a cookie down there? Four bucks. Um, mm-hmm. What if you pay fifty cents just to hold it? Like, I, I, and the reason why I bring that up, and I know it's absolutely hilarious to think about it, but I was doing some research into some of the. Uh, the baseball stadiums up in the Northeast. And I believe it's in Boston. It's either Boston or the Mets where they actually Mm -hmm. take you into the, um, uh, the, the stadium and you're able to do a 15 minute selfie tour. And it takes you to four different locations in the, the stadium. You get your selfies, you're in and out 15 minutes done. And it sells out every single time they do it. Wow. So, I'm looking for that, especially with green eggs and ham. I don't want to eat it. I just want to take a photo of it. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, getting back to the Grinch, though, I don't know if you saw uh, November 2nd, mm-hmm. uh, the Universal Orlando Resort. Uh, they did a, a video last year of the Grinchmas, uh, or excuse me, the Grinch working in the official call center and sort of disrupting things there and They've just posted a sequel to the 2018 offering, and what, what's kind of interesting is it's very much done in the style of NBC's The Office, and uh, I bring that up because uh, The Office is actually one of the NBC series that are going to be showcased in Peacock, or excuse me, on Peacock, which is the subscription streaming service that Comcast will be launching in April of next year, and uh, Comcast just uh, recently did their quarterly earnings call mm-hmm. and, you know, talked up Peacock as part of that, you know, it was kind of interesting that they were, I, I guess overall NBC Universal earnings were up. Uh, they had some weaker than expected uh, earnings on the film side and uh, we're kind of quick to point to Fast and Furious Presents uh, Hobbs and Shaw, which... 
I, I, you know, I mean, face it, this is a movie that made $750 million worldwide, mm. which sounds like, you know, again, I, I, you know, I would be happy to find that piled up on my dresser. Yeah, I accept um, that. <laughs> you know, but the, the weird thing of it is that's basically two-thirds of the business that Fate of the Furious did uh, back in 2017. And, oh, 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 and before I forget, folks, the... Uh, as I understand it, the trailer for the next Fast and Furious film is supposed to drop in front of, uh, you know, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. So that's not really a surprise. But but what was kind of surprising, though, is Brian Roberts, CEO of, of Comcast, mentioned uh, literally in passing uh, during this, this earnings call that Epic Universe uh, will be opening in 2023, mm-hmm. uh, which is a little later than, you know, I, I think you and I talked about how, you know, there, I guess the original plan was they wanted to have at least a, a, a certain amount of, of this park open, phase one for 2021, which, of course, is when Disney's doing its big 50th anniversary push. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the end, it was like, no, 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 we, you know, let's let's do this right. And. Let's take the time. So I I made some phone calls, you know, checked in with friends. And what it's supposedly the plan is. And, you know, I got to caution you folks that... that Plans change. (laughs) Well, yes. You know, and and more to the point, it's Florida. It could rain a lot. Uh, But the, the, the plan is that Epic Universe would open soft open. In uh, the spring of, of 2023, mm-hmm. with the idea that the official grand opening uh, would be sometime around Memorial Day of that year. So just sort of tuck that in your back pocket. Um, but what's especially interesting for me is that in addition to talking to the financial community, uh, here's the Universal Orlando also speaking uh, with the folks who were in the immediate neighborhood around uh, Major Boulevard and Sand Lake Road, uh, who are you know going to be impacted by you know not only this you know while this park is being constructed, but when it begins day to day operations. So um, they uh, did a presentation that uh, just recently about the Universal Boulevard land use plan. Uh, and talked about what they're planning on doing with the 1,300 acres uh, that are uh, that, that that they own around again uh, Sand Lake Road and Universal Boulevard. And again, what's kind of interesting for me, Dustin, is uh, you know I guess the park and the hotel mm-hmm. and the back of house uh, is going to take up 700 acres roughly. But what's also kind of intriguing is that. They also wanted this, you know, to be a good neighbor. Mm-hmm. So roughly 600 acres of this is being set aside for conservation, for wetlands, as, as a buffer between the park and the, uh, the neighborhood. Uh, but the, the other thing is, you know, just trying to sort of come across as, look, we're trying to be a good neighbor. So, you know, for example... We're only going to use fire off fireworks this high, you know that that you know. So, you know, if you're in the neighborhood, you're and and more to the point, we're only going to use shells that are this big. So we'll only make this much noise, and it will only intrude on your neighborhood this much. More importantly, though, um, they were talking about the, the and supposedly as part of this presentation, they showed all sorts of um, artwork for how they wanted the sort of uh, do the greenery and the landscaping along I Drive. Sure. Uh, and in fact, you know, what's kind of interesting to me is I would imagine that the very same people who you were just describing, you know, the, how they had to tear out all of that stuff for Jurassic Park over at Islands, uh, you know, <laughs> once they get, you know, that jungle replanted, uh, you know, supposedly some of these guys will then pivot to working on, you know, the planting that they're doing around uh, Epic Universe mm-hmm. to, you know, sort of make it pleasing. Um, now, uh, the downside, of course, is, and I think uh, you came across the set of, how many cars do they anticipate are, are going to be? Yeah, so, um, once again, right before we recorded, uh, Alicia mm-hmm. over at Orlando Park Stop 
which, by the way, Alicia was also the one who pointed out during the Grinch YouTube video that uh, there is a section of um, uh, the video that actually blurred out a Super Mario logo. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, towards the end, it was one of those things that she, she was just like, wait a second, something's blurred out for the only time in this entire video. And then she put two and two together and was like, wait a second, did did Universal just kind of put something out there that we shouldn't have seen? Uh, I love those little hidden gems. No, 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 same uh, thing here, same thing here. But Alicia put out a, uh, a tweet a little while ago about the detailed final plans for Public Road A, um, which we'll talk about, as we said, everything that's going on uh, with Universal's Epic Universe, as well as actually giving a view of the surface parking lot mm-hmm. of Epic Universe. And the numbers are staggering. Universal is apparently expecting between 28,000 and 34,000 vehicles to drive on this road mm-hmm. per day. So if we're looking at half of that, because mm-hmm. people have to drive to go and then leave, mm-hmm. uh, mixed in with how many thousands of uh, team members, um, it looks like there's going to be a lot of traffic in that area, which leads to exactly your point, which is how do they become a good neighbor well, when you're having that kind of traffic? And, uh, you know, that what makes this sort of triply difficult is, face it, you've already got the guests who are coming into this approximate area who either headed to Aquatica or mm-hmm. get a Discovery Cove or SeaWorld. Uh, and let's not forget that, you know, several times a week you have you know, hundreds of thousands of people headed to the Orange County Convention Center uh, for event. Now, the upside, though, is that in, in all of these cases, whether it's Epic Universe or the Convention Center or, uh, you know, the, 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 the three SeaWorld-related parks, uh, you know, these folks are, you know, people are headed there you know, at eight or nine o'clock in the morning, and then they're parked, you know, they're in, you know, in the convention center, they're in Epic Universe, they're not out clogging the roads. You know, the downside is, of course, that, you know, when all of these things close up for the day, you know, these folks are once again back out on the roadways. And uh, it's certainly going to be interesting to see what the, the impact is, you know, in that, you know, I... I you know I know they've been doing all of that uh, you know construction on the uh, the B line and mm-hmm. you know to, to connect with uh, I four, but it's already tough you know whether getting on or off that road at I drive. Um, so oh, in different times of the day, that's it, it's it's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And if people are going, if people want to be at the park open, if they want a rope drop Epic Universe, that is going to be nine o'clock, which means everyone's going in at eight. Yeah which means that's corresponding with rush hour. Mm-hmm. And then if everyone's leaving, because uh, keep in mind, with a lot of the the theme parks, they do have spread out times throughout the day, but mm-hmm. very few people have the the power and the, the, you know, I don't know, stamina to go from 8 o'clock in the morning through until 9 o'clock at night. Usually they want to either go back to their resort mm-hmm. or they don't want to be around crowds. And so. let's not forget that Disney just recently has introduced that new admissions media where, you know, the whole notion is, you know, if you show up at noon, you know, you actually mm-hmm. have a lower price point. And, but I think this is a one-part pass or that sort of thing. And you got to wonder, you know, whether the universals of the sea world of the world uh, will be, you know, will consider the same thing. You know, with the whole notion of, hey, let's suggest this admission media because, again, you know, for those folks, uh, it would be probably a much more pleasant experience uh, to drive over or drive into, you know, those theme parks at that time of day when there's left traffic. Mind you, you you're, you're parking in, you know, the the outer Mongolia section of the parking lot. But, you know. Well, yeah. Um, and it was weird that they they're only doing a surface, that mm-hmm. they're not doing a, a parking garage. And um, I've yet to, and it'll probably come out in between, you know, our recording and you hearing this, but there's a, where we haven't really seen a lot about the transportation that Universal is planning mm-hmm. to take guests between the, uh, the various theme parks, Volcano Bay, the resorts. And as this, as their campuses grow, mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be that conversation of, okay, how many people are actually going to be driving? Uh, and yeah, twenty six to thirty four thousand cars a day—that's huge. But how many are 
going to be finding just a simple parking spot and then taking internal transportation from there. Interesting point. These are all things that over the next three years are going to be very interesting to see how uh, how they start uh, taking, you know, this this added transportation uh, method into into use because it's all about guest satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure that people, yeah, they they like driving, but Disney's produced a lot of extra revenue by allowing uh, or by charging guests that extra 20 bucks, 30 bucks a day to just park your car. Mm. Well, speaking of uh, Disney, what I, I find kind of intriguing about this whole, you know, the, for example, the landscaping aspect of the, mm -hmm. um, you know, what they're doing around Epic Universe is that if you, you know, if you pivot to, you know, when uh, Disney announced the Disney decade and back in January of 1990 and, you know, all of the plans that the company was then making for the $3 billion Westcott project. Um, one of the things that they, they literally held a gun to Anaheim and, and Garden Grove to the effect of, look, you know, we're going to be investing $3 billion in this brand new park, but we want the the land that's outside of the park to be as beautiful as it is inside. And they, they created the uh, the garden district, you know, that they, they, they went through and created uniform language for, you know, how big the signs could be around the park and, you know, the, the, how big the walkways were. And, you know, they, they I mean, you know, and in fact, as you drive, um, I want to say on a Harbor headed down to garden Grove and see, you know, the, the, the uniformity, how far you go down that road, Oh, uh, mm -hmm. good, good. You know, uniform signs and uniform plantings and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be intriguing. Again, and I guess, of course, the irony is that you know, here's Anaheim and Garden Grove spent all this money to make these physical changes, and then, of course, Disney never builds Westcott. They build Disney's California Adventure for roughly a third of what uh, they were originally going to build Westcott for. And and oh, come on, they they even that out in the the redo of that yeah that but that that, <laughs> that you know and i know we're, we're also getting marvel superhero land being built right now yeah you know the the hard reality is that yes they probably spent the three billion dollars over um well the park opened in 2000 you know february of 2001 so here we are 18 years later and yeah that they probably paid the equivalent but you know you, you got to look at it from anaheim's side of the fence where especially in like 98 1999 it's wait a minute you know we paid all of this dough yeah i i thought that we were going to get something like this mm -hmm. and instead you you decided to go over to uh, another spot come on it's a bait and switch and then well, you know oops. Uh, <laughs> okay uh pivoting back now to epic universe uh it it's it's worth noting again we have all this information now about uh, roads around uh, the park and, yep. you know, how much land is being set aside for conservation and, and that sort of thing. And yet no real knowledge on, you know, yes, we have that piece of concept. We don't have any definitive word yet on on lands inside of the theme park. And what's what's kind of intriguing to me is that, you know, one of the, the pieces of uh, language that's been very consistent uh, throughout. In fact, I think, again, it's Alicia who uh, came up with that informational brochure for some sort of a clandestine meeting that the Universal Orlando Resort had with its partners. And, and that included the language in there about the classic Universal Monsters land. Yep. Um, uh, but here's, here's the thing, Dustin. You know, uh, February of next year, in fact, February 28, 2020, uh, we have Universal releasing a brand new Invisible Man movie. This is uh, being done through Blumhouse. Uh, it's going to star Elizabeth Moss as, uh, you know, it's a, it's a female driven narrative of a, a woman who's been abused by her husband. And uh, again, I'm not going to give anything away, folks, but there's a wonderful trailer. Go check it out. Um, but, but here's the thing it's. You know, this is not the, the the version of the Invisible Man that Universal did in back in the mid nineteen thirties. And in fact, I want to say it's James Whale, the same guy who directed uh, Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, yep. You know, uh, but no, this is a contemporary telling of a uh, retelling of the the uh, the Invisible Man story. And and I guess that's the thing with theme parks is that 
Um, you're constantly doing battle uh, with, do we go with classic IP? Do you do like Disney does and every so often circle back on something like Lady and the Tramp or, you know, uh, you know or hell, we just in the past couple of weeks, we've been hearing about, you know, the Robert Zemeckis possibly directing a new live action version of Pinocchio with Tom Hanks's Geppetto. Or do you go contemporary? Do you do what, you know, uh, you know, for example, what Universal did with um, you know, Terminator 2 3D? And, you know, that's, you know, we've got the signage outside of that building right now for the Bourne, you know, uh, stuntacular. Uh, well, they, they were actually just um, in the uh, press release that they put out mm-hmm. with regards to the uh, Universal Endless Summer Resort. Mm-hmm. They talked about how... There's a lot of stuff coming to that area, including Despicable Me, Man in Mayhem, mm. Jurassic Park River Adventure, Transformers, and the Bourne Stuntacular, mm. which is debuting in spring of 2020. Mm. They're, they're consistently talking about how every year there has to be something bigger and better. Yeah, yeah but, it, but in between now and 2023, mm. where do you put your chips? Well, do you bet on red? Do you bet on black? Do you bet on, you know, the, across the board? What do you do? Yeah, and more to the point, do you take advantage of what's going on, you know, out in the world today? I mean, you know, sure. face it, you know, the, the, right now, the news media is full of stories related to Popeye's chicken sandwich and, you know, the ridiculously <laughs> long lines. The chicken and, wars. Yeah, and, and people getting stabbed or hit with cars because, you know, just yeah. sort of, I need that sandwich. And, you know, so what does Universal do in, in this window of time where suddenly people seem obsessed with chicken sandwiches? Well, hey, you know, just, uh, you know, the, 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 the Today Show Cafe, the, the thing that just opened at Universal uh, Studios of Florida earlier this year, they're introducing... A, a evidently this is a recipe that uh, Al Roker's mother-in-law came up with. It's a southern chicken biscuit slider, um, and they look amazing. Yeah. They're uh, what do we got here? Grilled chicken, pimento cheese, mm. crispy onions, mm. Carolina gold barbecue sauce, and shredded lettuce on a warm, freshly baked biscuit. Would you like me to go slower? <laughs> no, I just you know I, I you know I I'm, I'm thinking that perhaps as part of you know our walk through the park on Saturday maybe we could swing by and get one of these things unless of oh, course it's going to happen the riot has broken out by then and then we'll go we'll just walk around that. Um, no, all we have to do is hey look, clever distraction, uh, and then people look over there, and then we go and get these the Al's uh, Southern Chicken Biscuit sliders. Well, now speaking of the 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 trip of this week, I really got to go pack. So, all right, tell you folks. Uh, until that time, Dustin, where, where can they find you elsewhere online? Yeah, so I'm over at StepsTheMagic.com, uh, Universal Disney trip planning, uh, top ten lists random stuff um i'm also over at instagram so at steps to magic uh and at dustin foose those are the two places that i'll be posting uh, a bunch of stuff especially when we're down on this this trip uh there's going to be a lot of photos and a lot of news coming out so i'll be sure to post a lot over there and um i'm also over at the we like theme parks podcast so it's a uh, podcast all about uh guys who like theme parks so good times uh, and speaking of guys who like theme parks, uh, Len and I, Len Tessa and I, do the Disney Dish, which is the podcast where we talk about the Disney parks. Let's see. Uh, I also do with Drew Taylor. We do fine tuning, where we talk about all the news that's going on in the world of animation. Uh, Aaron Adams, the gentleman who edits a lot of the podcasts here at Jim Hill Media, uh, he and I do the Marvelous Disney podcast. Dan Z and I do the Looking at Lucasfilm uh, kind of podcast, and eh, nothing going on on that side of the street lately. <laughs> uh, and let's see. Uh, and then, then Michelle Valladolid and I do the I Want That podcast, and uh, Michelle's just back from or- uh, Orlando and spent way too much time wandering around Disney Springs and the parks, uh, checking out all the latest merch, and we'll be talking about that one soon. Uh, tell you what, folks, if you could do us a favor, uh, Dustin and I, if you could head over to iTunes and rate and recommend our shows, that would be incredibly helpful. Uh, likewise, if you really, really, really like what you've heard here today, if you could head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, uh, that would be incredibly helpful. 
And that's the phone ringing in the background, so I got to go get that. So, <laughs> um, okay, folks, uh, thanks for listening. And Dustin and I will be back soon, or hell, we'll be in Orlando this weekend. So look for us there. Yeah, live podcast this weekend. So, or it's not live podcast, it's podcast that we are recording live that you guys will hear soon enough. There you go. Until then, take care, folks, and we'll be back soon.